Well, it's good to see everyone. Good morning. Uh, Merry Christmas. It's still Christmas season, so we can say that, right? If you're a guest, I'm really glad you're with us. Uh, hello, if you're joining us from whatever campus you are or online, glad you're with me. My name's Ben, one of the pastors here. Um, welcome back if you were kind of new at Christmas. Christmas was awesome at Mountain. I hope you got a chance to, to be at one of our services. Uh, it was just a, a, a hoot. All told, I think about 30 services over four days, four campuses, and just shy of 17,000 people. It was fantastic. So we're really glad. One reason for the season. So now it's all over, and we're kind of on the backside of that. Maybe at this point, uh, you feel a little more like this, uh, this feline. Anybody relate to this, this poor guy? What'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got fat. That's what I got. So we're doing a series uh, called uh, Don't Miss the Forest for the Tree, and, and uh, this is the last installment of that uh, series of five messages, and the idea is just, you know, the Christmas tree and all the stuff that goes with that. Let's not forget the bigger picture, the forest of God's meaning, what God's really up to. We've been looking at a tree every single week and kind of playing with it that way and having some fun with it, and in the process along the way, you know, I, I did a lot of research on trees that I never got to share with you about all these cool things I learned along the way, it just never was time. Um, so, for example, did you know uh, how fascinating trees really, really are? Did you know that there are about three trillion trees on the planet? That's a lot of trees. It's about half of what there used to be. Um, there are about 60,000 different species of trees all over the world. Trees are the longest living organisms on earth, and they never die of old age. Isn't that interesting? Um, here's a picture of Methuselah. Methuselah is an old tree in the U.S. It's a bristlecone pine out in California in the White Mountains. And guess how old this thing is? Want to guess? You think it's over in 500? You think it's older than 2,000? It's 4,848 years old. That's an old tree. Fun fact, you know an oak tree can drop about 10,000 acorns every year. Isn't that interesting? Most of those acorns will get eaten by one of the hundred species that use acorns for food, and, never, and they never become oak trees. Just like humans, uh, trees need a lot of water to survive. You know, an average tree will drink about 100 gallons of water a day. Is that crazy? A sequoia, about 500 gallons of water a day. Just all these interesting things I learned. I learned also that a tree really grows throughout the year. A tree is always growing. The different parts of a tree grow at different times throughout the year. However, um, we think of a tree as growing in the spring. Um, and that's when you see the blossoms and the buds and the fruit come out, right? But did you know this? In the summer, that's when the bark and the trunk really does its growing. And then in the fall and the winter, that's when the root system is developing and expanding. Isn't that interesting? Trees are always growing. I wonder, um, what about you? I wonder if you're growing. As we, we, we get to the end of um, 2019, it's the time to look in the mirror. And as we anticipate a new decade before us, it's the time to think about our lives. I wonder if, like a tree, you're always growing, if you're growing right now. If you're growing in the right ways, if you're growing in the ways that God is calling you to grow. We're going to think about that today. It's no, no wonder to me, after I did all this research on trees, that in the Bible, trees are so often like an object lesson for us. 
they're used as like a metaphor for what our lives could be like in terms of growing our life with God. As you think about your life, maybe you could think about some trees. Let me, can I share some scriptures with you that make us maybe think a little better about trees? Would that be all right? Let's look at Psalm chapter 1, the first psalm, the first few verses, one of my favorite passages. It says this, blessed or happy, uh, joy-filled, having a good life is the person who does not follow the advice of wicked people or stand around with sinners, hang out with the wrong crowd. Or join in with mockers, people who defy and deny God. How many of you know from personal experience that you can really make a mess of your life when you make a bunch of stupid decisions? <laughs> you hang out with the wrong crowd and you just kind of, you know, this, this is saying, boy, the person who's figured that out is, is, is on the right track and they're blessed and they're happy, who instead rather delights in the teachings of the Lord. Like instead of like, oh, I hope God doesn't mess my fun, I begin to realize that the way that God has for my life to go is the best life. That person is true. Truly blessed because they'll reflect on God's teachings day and night. That person's like a tree along the riverbank, a tree that bears fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they succeed in everything they do. It's a flashback kind of picture of the Garden of Eden, the tree of life. Remember at the beginning? That tree didn't just sort of have fruit once a year. It was like always in bloom and always blossom. It's saying when you get God in your life and you're, you're like one of those trees, not up in the mountains, not out in the, in the desert where your roots are just kind of trying to grope for any little drop of water, but you're like planted by the riverbed and the roots go down to the ground and you can draw up the nutrients and the sustenance that you need. Boy, when you are that way, you're connected to God. How much is that like your life right now, I wonder? Always in fruitful season, always growing. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, comes over the New Testament, and it it kind of builds on this idea of how healthy your life is in God. It says, so then just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, like you made a start, you you declared him as Lord, you got started, you said, I'm a Christian, you're moving on, you says, but the, 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 the word here is continue. Now, now keep going to li- live your whole life in him, rooted and built up in him. You know, the most roots in a, in a tree actually are about 6 to 18 inches beneath the surface. That's all. And the tree can be 80 or 90, 100 feet tall, but they just spread laterally and go every direction. Or some tap roots can go several hundred feet down into the ground. There's a lot more happening beneath the surface that you can't see that makes a tree's life and health. So that when, if you have no root system, something happens in the whole thing blows over very easily. But if you've got deep roots, boy, nothing phases you. So yeah, you got started in the faith. We had 500 baptisms this last year. Awesome. You made a start. Now continue. Time to keep growing. Get the root system down and, and keep going in your faith so you can be strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing even with thankfulness. For some of us, it's time to grow. That way you can stay more deeply rooted and connected to Christ. How you doing with all of this? Are you continuing what you started? Getting some roots down deep into the faith so that 
your faith doesn't kind of waver, come and go, or live or die based on whatever's happening to you. This is what John, Jesus seems to be getting at in John chapter 15. John 15 verse 1, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, meaning like the true stalk, like the trunk of the main tree. I'm the true vine, and the, and the Father is this gardener, and all of us are in his orchard, and he's working on all of us and trying to, to nurture us in just the way that a master gardener would do. And Jesus says one of the keys is this, you remain in me. And I'll remain in you. Like the picture is of a botanical or agricultural feature of a branch grafted into another branch. Or a branch growing out of the vine. You see that? And when you grow out of it, you're you're connected. The word there, remain in me, is the word abide or to deeply connect with Christ. To draw your nutrients, your sustenance from him. To be so deeply connected. If you break yourself off as a branch and go your own way, you'll never make it. You you won't have a connected life with Christ. So ask yourself, as you come to the end of 2019 and you're thinking about 2020, just where are you now? Like, are you deeply connected to Jesus? He says, I'm the the vine and you're the branch and that's how you're going to bear fruit. In life, that's how you're going to have the life you really want and the life that I want for you. Verse 4 and 8 says this, no branch can bear fruit by itself. If you break the branch off, it's not going to keep bearing fruit. It doesn't work that way. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain connected to me. This is what brings God glory. This is what brings the Father glory, that you would bear fruit. You're not here just to exist. You're here to bear fruit. Okay? And so you're going to bear fruit... When Jesus, Jesus says, when you start to look like me, when you react like I would react, when you begin to act like I would, like you love like I would, and you don't have to think about it, it just naturally comes out of you, like you have the same DNA as the vine, and so the stuff coming out of your life is going to look like the fruit of Jesus. In fact, Paul says, there is the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ in your life, and when you see it, it's obvious. You know what it looks like? Galatians 5.22 says, when you're grafted into the vine, and Jesus is like the sap that comes up out of your life and bears fruit in your life, it looks like this. Love and joy and peace. Anybody need more of that in their life? Anybody's household? Anybody's marriage? Anybody's work environment need a little more patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? The Bible never commands you to do these things. It says, if you stay connected to Jesus, this fruit just happens. So let's look at our lives and let's look at that list. Let's think about the fruit and ask where we are today. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I'm in you, we're going to be connected together and you will. You'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. He says in verse 1, I'm the true vine. Meaning, there is such a thing as a counterfeit vine. You can take the branch of your life and try to connect it to something else to draw your nutrients and your strength, your support, and all of that. And guess what? You'll always be disappointed because he's the true vine. So when you lack meaning and purpose in life, when you feel like you don't have any real joy, when you feel like, you know, the peace that passes understanding is absent in your life, I can tell you it's because you're a branch disconnected from the vine. When you feel like, you know, you're just constantly upset and anger is always just beneath the surface and you're, you're living in that way where it's just like you're seething and, you're, you're, you know, you're, you look good on the outside but there's anger there. Or, or you, you can't seem to break out of an addictive cycle. 
or you can't ever really get lasting change or make real improvement or growth in your life, or worry is eating at you, or you feel all these negative thoughts about what a failure you are, or you get consumed by worldly affairs, or you're sucked into materialism and you're always trying to keep up with the Joneses, worried about your appearances. At any moment where those things come into my life, and they do, in those moments, I'm not abiding in Christ. I'm not, ab- I'm not remaining. I'm not connected. I'm looking to something else to sustain me. My reputation or what you, you, what you think of me or my marriage or my kids or, or my religious you know, duty. And you can find some false vines that you're trying to connect to and use for your sustenance and your source of strength as well. Are you closely connected to Christ. So these are the images that the Bible uses, and many more I could share as you think about the tree of your life, okay? So here's a happy thought. You're closer right now to the end of your life than you ever have been. All right, so we're at the end of the year, we're at the end of the decade, we're starting a new one. We're closer to the return of Jesus than we've ever been. And so this is a good opportunity for us to just think today. Jesus says, my father's the gardener. He wants to work with your life. And he wants to bring out the good stuff. He wants you to stay planted, get rooted, and bear fruit. That's what God wants. Well, how does that happen? I believe that God always wants us to grow and that, that he's always doing two things in my life. Now, I believe he's doing the same two things in your life. Always wants to do these two things. And you have tremendous say. say God empowers you to, to sort of allow or disallow, to help make happen or not make happen these two things, just as I do. And if these things happen that God wants to happen in my life, I will grow and I'll be like a tree planted by streams of living water that's connected and I will continue to grow. You want to know what the two things are? Here are the two things, and we're going to talk about them. God is always want, always wanting to be planting something in my life. And God is always wanting to be pruning something in my life. Planting and pruning. Planting is the beginning of something new, the start of something, the, the seed of something that will grow and flourish into something important. And God has lots of those things that he wants to do. And pruning is the cutting away of something, the removal of something that needs to go. Can I just encourage you, we only have a few minutes left, can I just encourage you to be like David in Psalm 139 and just to open your spirit before the Lord. David prayed that prayer, search me and know me, God. Can I invite you to kind of have that? Spirit, match that attitude and just, let's just have God have a little look-see. You look and God look together at your life and let's do an audit of our thoughts, our attitudes, our practices, the things we do every day. The sort of way things are going right now, the unexamined parts, the unconscious sort of habitual stuff and the stuff that we're still deciding about. Let's bring it all to say, God, have a look-see Search me and know me, and let's just see if if God would show you only two things today. One area where you might need to prune something, and then one thing that you might need to plant. Okay? If you open your spirit that way, I know he'll... He'll show us. Prune and plant. Let's begin with prune. Let's, let's take a look there. Pruning is painful, uh, I suppose, for a plant. It is for me. It's when, it's when you, you uh, 
snip off some of the branches. Why? So that, so that you can get better fruit and the tree can be healthier overall. Now, there's a difference between something being painful and being harmful. Okay? It doesn't harm you. In fact, it helps you. But it is unpleasant in the moment. So, you know, for a, for a grape tree or vine or whatever you call those things, you can just let it go however it wants to go, and it's going to have a whole bunch of mediocre little, you know, not-so-great-tasting grapes. Or you can prune a bunch of those branches, and then the remaining branches that are connected to the vine, wow, those are going to produce some awesome grapes. And the same thing needs to happen in our life. John 15, verse 2, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he still prunes that one. Why? So it will be even more fruitful. So when we come to the Christian life, a lot of us tend to think that it's all about adding things, like there's some stuff you got to start doing. Like, I suppose I need to start doing the da 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 we get in a whole bunch of do, 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 and do, do, and do, do. But... We're going to get to that. There are some things that we need to do, but I'm much more persuaded to believe and agree with Meister Eckhart from, like, I think the 16th century, a spiritual leader who said that the spiritual life has much more to do with subtraction than it does with addition. It's the elimination of some things that makes space for the kinds of things that God wants to happen in your life. And sometimes the things that need to be eliminated are not bad things. It's not necessarily evil that needs to be snipped out of your life. It's the mediocre sort of time-consuming nothingness that can hinder your focus on the better thing, that can distract us and distort us and draw us away from living the kind of highest aspiration, best life that God has called you to live. Your job is to be the most healthy, fruitful version of you you could possibly be. You're stewarding your one life. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. 2020 is a calendar page. It doesn't mean a thing, but maybe if we used it to figure out where am I supposed to prune a few things so I can be more fruitful in the time and the life and the energy that I have, it would be a good thing. Do you think so? Pruning is important. The Bible's word sometimes is just the word repent. Repent just means to turn or to change. So when I come to Christ away from a life of sin and my own dependence, I turn toward God away from sin. But guess what? I don't do that once. I need to repent every single day. And so do you, to turn toward God in maybe micro ways or big ways, to have a change of mind and attitude and behavior. So pruning is about the power of no. It's, about, it's not about just evil things in your life, but just those mediocre things that just fill our time and suck the energy and life out of us so that we don't have our best energy for the most important things. Good is the enemy of what? Great. So pruning is about the power of no for the greater yes that you want to be true of your life a year from now. Remember that woman, I think her name was Marie Kondo. She's that woman who taught us to declutter our lives and mostly feel guilty about all the junk we have. Remember her? She's still around somewhere cleaning people's closets, I think. Her idea was you go through all your stuff and you look at every object and you hold it up and you think to yourself, does this spark joy in me? Does this Yoda doll still 
spark joy for me. And if you hesitate for a moment, or the answer is no, you put it on eBay or sell it or give it to the neighbors. In my case, I just shove it in a pile in the basement. I still have her book somewhere, but I can't find it. Or maybe it didn't spark joy and I got rid of it. I don't know. But here's the thing. Whatever your closet looks like and whatever you think of Marie Kondo, we do need to do that exact same thing in our lives. To look at your life and to do an audit of your behaviors. Maybe it's your habits. Maybe it's your attitudes. Maybe it's your relationships. And ask not, does it spark joy, but is it helping me grow? Is this thing that I do, maybe unconsciously without thinking every day, does it help me become the person God is calling me to be? And if you know the answer is no, or you're not sure, wow, be ruthless about this, folks. You've got one life and so much time in it. And the decisions you make today determine who you will be tomorrow. 2 Corinthians 5 says that sometimes there's some things that need to be snipped, but sometimes, boy, things need to go. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that anyone who belongs to Christ has actually become a new person. And the old life is what? gone. It's speaking in dramatic terms so that a new life can begin. How many of you know that something in your life needs to go? It needs to be pruned. What is God leading you to prune in 2020? Like, be real specific with yourself. You can go for the big one or you can go for a little one. There's plenty, trust me. I know a guy who, for a long time, liked to stop off for drinks after work uh, on his way home, and it was kind of a way to relax, unwind, he enjoyed it socially, it kind of filled him up a little bit, hang out with the guys and all that, and then he'd go home a little later, jabber about sports and all that kind of stuff. He didn't really notice it at the time, but looking back, he recollects now that it slowly sort of over time changed a little bit. To where some different guys started coming and different guys that used to enjoy it stopped coming and the conversation just kind of shifted a little. It was a little more and more off color. It was less honoring to their wives and to women in general. It started to become a little more laced with racial and sexual overtones and got very heated politically sometimes, which he found himself going home not feeling relaxed and better, but a little more negative and sort of pent up with some stuff. And then he started to feel a little guilty about not getting home to help his wife and, and connect with her a little bit. And he realized all the money he was spending on the drinks and he didn't need any more alcohol. He was putting on weight and he didn't need it for other reasons as well. And he just found himself more negative as a person going on. And he realized all those projects that he thought he would get done when he was clear-minded and he wrote them on a list, he never seen to get to him because he got home and the evening just got away and he'd eat late and pretty soon he just had to, I just rest a little bit, sit in front of the TV, fall asleep, get up and do it all over the next day. And one day he had like a moment of clarity, like a revelation where all of a sudden he looked at it for what it was and said, what am I doing? No one's making me go to that bar. And you know what he did? He pruned it. He stopped going just like that. And he'll tell you what a difference it made in his life, in his attitude, his health, his finances, his marriage. One little decision. I just, I wonder if there's anything like that in your life. One pruning decision that could have such a good effect on so many other parts of your life. He's growing. I bet for a lot of us, we need to do some pruning here. Maybe just in the amount of time that this thing dominates. 
in our life, if nothing else. Just the time. It's so useful as a tool, but maybe, maybe it's the social media aspect in the way that when you just have it there, it just kind of always draws your attention away from what you thought was more important. So, oh, wait, oh, wait, cat video. Wait, stop. I have to watch this cat video. <laughs> maybe just a little pruning like that. We want to live our lives according to our highest aspirations. And the way you do that is you make decisions and you, you say no to things that aren't going to lead you to fulfill your highest aspirations. And if your highest aspirations include seven hours a day on Facebook and social media, you need higher social aspirations. Okay? Just maybe a little pruning. I wonder about gaming. Gaming has a funny way of making us feel kind of... Um, addicted to it, like sucking us in for some of us. You can lose sleep and skip meals and skip life, and you justify it as one more game, one more level, or it's kind of a release, and I'm, you know, it can be maybe a healthy diversion, I suppose, in proper limits, but for often, what I see is that it's very, it's very consuming and mind-numbing, and it's an escape that's not that healthy, and it hinders relationships and annoys the people around you, and it eats away at your time where you could be doing something so much more life-giving and productive to the world and to your own health, maybe even serving the Lord, reading scripture, or just writing your mom a letter. I don't know, maybe some of you need to snip a little bit on the gaming thing. Or maybe the pruning is a relationship. Oh, wait, another cat video. (laughs) Just kidding. Maybe, maybe it's a relationship that you need to prune. It's someone that you want to be friends with or spend more time with, but in honesty, it's not that good for you. It, it makes you feel negative or bad about yourself or it takes you places you don't want to be or that's toxic or manipulative. Or, or maybe for some of us, it's the way we eat or binging on Netflix. Some of that needs to be maybe, can, can be just get, gets out of hand a little bit and before long you don't feel good about it. Or maybe it's a habit of being negative and critical and biting with our tongue. And we think of it as a rare exception in our character. But other people around us might tell us it's pretty much the way we are sometimes. And some things need to not be just pruned but completely stopped. Like nip it in the bud. Like just lop it off. Colossians 3, 5 through 8 says, put to death. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Put some things to death in your life. Like what? Well, he gives us plenty of examples if you need help thinking of them. Like sinful earthly things that lurk inside of you, have nothing to do with immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. These are the old part of you. Get rid of like anger and malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Some of us have to just get rid of some things. Maybe it's a porn thing in you that just keeps rising up all these shameful and thoughts and dark darkness and you need to move from darkness to light reach out get some help get to CR on Friday night so you can move from darkness to light and 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 say the old is gone and the new has come I wonder what needs to be pruned out of your life in 2020 let's take 10 seconds and think about that right now and you be as specific as you can be and go before the Lord and just let him speak to you 10 seconds God is always doing two things in my life and in yours. He's always wanting to prune some things. What else does he want to do? 
He wants to plant some things, okay? He wants to plant some things in your life. Do you know when the best time to plant a tree is? 20 years ago. <laughs> Do you know when the next best time to plant a tree is? Today. Okay? Today is the best, second best time to plant a tree. I, uh, when we moved into our house, whatever, about 10, 11 years ago now, uh, my neighbor had this annoying habit of going out on his deck. Can you believe he had a nerve to do that? And his deck's right next to my deck, and, you know, he had this country music thing going on. I learned, uh, someone said, uh, why don't you plant a few trees? It'll create a little hedgerow buffer. And I thought, it's a great idea. So we went and bought them, but the only ones we really wanted to afford were about four feet tall. And so we planted them like six feet apart. But, do you know what? Ten years later, those things are like 30 feet tall. And I have this, they're all connected. It's a beautiful 30-foot fence, and I don't have to listen to Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> I don't have to see him. But I'm so glad that I planted those trees 10 years ago so I can enjoy it today. See? Some of you are benefiting from trees that someone planted for you a long time ago. They took you to church. They planted spiritual seeds, and you're reaping the benefit of it today. Great. But you know what? The second best time to plant a tree is if that didn't happen for you right now, today. Like, today would be a great day for that because that's the, that's the next best time to plant a tree. A tree is simply something that got planted a long time ago, and it started maybe as just a seed or a tiny little sapling or just a little cute little button like that one. I wonder what trees God is asking and hoping you will plant in your life now so that at the end of the year you'll look back and say, I'm so glad I did that. And they start small. You don't have to have some grandiose, big, major deal. You just, you're looking for small little things as you ask these kinds of questions. What kind of person do I want to become? What's the vision for my life that God really might have? What do I feel my calling really is? The time to plant toward that is now, in little ways. I love, I love the question that Gordon MacDonald asked. He was about 50, and he started saying this everywhere. He said, the question you ought to ask yourself is this, what kind of old man do I want to be? What kind of old woman do I want to be? So whatever age you are, fast forward 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years and ask, what are actually the characteristics that I want to be true about me? What character traits, what, you know, what, what, what things that I can have influence over? What kinds of things do I want to be true about me? And he did that. One of the things he determined was that he wanted to be really in love with his wife and have her feel treasured and honored by him, which he knew was not true at age 50. And so he just did one little thing. He wrote out a list of things he was grateful for about his wife, and he did it every single day. And then he read one of those to her, and he prayed for her every day. That's it. It took him about 10 minutes total, less probably, depending on how awesome she was. I don't know. But you see, it's just a short little thing. Now he's 80 years old, and they have the most beautiful marriage you've ever seen. I bet he's glad he planted that tree. Is there a tree like that that you need to plant? He said he wanted to be a man of prayer. Well, he didn't, he just confessed, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a minister, but I don't pray at all. 
but he just started five minutes a day. Five minutes. Says, I'm no spiritual giant, just an acorn in the ground. But it's grown into, he's 80 years old today, he's got an oak tree of prayer and a deep, rich relationship because of one small thing he did 30 years ago. It became a habit. He didn't have to think about it. Gee, do I feel like praying today? No. He did it enough that it was what he did. It's become who he is. He wanted to be a man of the word, and so he joined a small group and committed to read through the Bible every year as long as he was alive, and he's done that for 30 years. Can you imagine how grateful he is that he made a little decision to spend a few minutes of his day instead of flipping through cat videos in the word of God so his roots can get down there, planted in? Oh, I bet he's glad, and I can think of so many examples in my own life, but it's dawning on me, I'm the age he was when he started planting those trees, and I better get with it, and maybe you better too, because the trees you plant today determine who you are tomorrow. Live according to the highest aspirations you have, and reverse engineer your life back to today where you pick little small habits that will lead you to be the person that God is calling you to be. Listen to this. Small disciplines done consistently over time lead to big changes and results. Let me say it again. Small disciplines done consistently over time lead to big changes and results. It's true for every person. You don't have to be miraculous. You don't have to have talent. You don't have to have skill. You just have to be smart enough to understand that if you plant a tree today, you're going to have something tomorrow. But you've got to plant the tree. So I wonder what you're asked to plant. This reminds me so much of the teaching of Keystone Habits. Keystone Habits is a book that came out in 2012. It's a great book. I recommend it to you. But it's so applicable in our spiritual life. You know what a keystone is. If you look at an archway which is made of block and so forth, that wedge-shaped stone at the top of the arch holds all the other stones in place. That's a keystone. Well, there are keystone habits in life that are sort of key and central and, and pivotal. They're the linchpin habits that, out of which so many other things in our life either rise or fall. They lead to, to other good things as well. And this suggests also the domino principle, which we all know in life. You know, dominoes, you, you stack them up and you knock one over and it knocks the next one, next one, next one, next one, right? That's how dominoes work. Did you also know that dominoes can knock over a domino 50% larger than itself? So you got one domino, knocks over one 50% larger, over a next one which knocks the 50% larger. You could start with a little domino right here and right over there you can knock over a phone pole. The principle being in life and dominoes, keystone habits affect so many things and you start small and they will grow over time. There's a compounding interest. So just think about the domino effect that would occur when someone goes from eating fast food every day to just eating healthy, natural food. Think of all the other areas of life that are impacted by that. This is like all this research has been done. You do that, well, you're going to lose some waistline, okay? You're going to lose some weight. That's going to make you more prone to want to start exercising because you're going to feel better about doing that. And that's going to lead to more energy. That's going to probably lead to more productivity at work, maybe a changed relationship with your boss in your future career. It's going to also change your weekly expenditures. You're going to have more money, and maybe you could start saving toward things that are important to you. You're going to feel better about that. Maybe your whole vacation is changed because of the money you now have. Um, maybe your skin starts looking better because your diet changes and you start treating your skin better. Maybe you get a date for a change. You see what I'm saying? One decision to, to say, I'm going to pick up an apple instead of a piece of pizza, just that one decision 
has a cascading domino effect in life. And these are what keystone habits really are about. Exercising regularly is a keystone habit. A lot of you know our, our friend Alan Stengel on our staff team, one of, one of my good buddies and on our staff team here at Mountain. If you're an online person, you see Alan all the time as our host there. Show this picture of Alan Stengel. Three years ago, he began a journey saying, I need some new keystone habits in my life. He committed his life to Christ in a fresh way, and he stopped with some of the habits that he had. He started basically preparing his meals. That was his keystone habit. From there, he added on drinking more water. And eventually, he added on exercise. But three years and 115 pounds later, he's a different person. And it's not just about his weight. It's about his spiritual life. It's about his social relationships. It's about the way he feels about himself and the way he's serving the Lord today. That's an example of what we're talking about. Way to go, Alan. A lot of us admire you because we all are called to this recognition that Keystone habits affect everything about us. So as we close, I want, to, I want to just share this idea of keystone habits with you because I want to encourage you to think about what it might mean in your life. So if you read the literature, go Google keystone habits. You'll find some great articles, and there's all this stuff, and they'll say, here, here are the keystone habits. like exercising in the morning has all these benefits that add up to all this other great stuff in your life. Or you know, you know a big one that might surprise you? Making your bed. Making your bed every day is a keystone habit. In fact, like this Navy SEAL guy that did the, did the graduation speech recently made that real famous. It connects to all these other things and you'll, you know, sorry kids. <laughs> things like dressing well or tracking what you eat or getting eight hours of sleep are all keystone habits. You need to find the ones for you. But don't forget this. You can get all those keystone habits right. Sleep eight hours and make your bed every day and get up and exercise. But if you forget that, as the Bible says, the chief cornerstone of our life is Jesus Christ, the whole thing will still come crumbling down. What good does it profit a man or woman to gain the whole world and lose your soul? So, can you ask yourself, what keystone habits, what does God want to plant in my life in 2020? Be as specific as you dare. Maybe for some of you it is to sleep eight hours because the best thing you can do with your life is to present a fully rested, energized you. Maybe it would be to start your day with Jesus instead of your feed, catching up on the news, just see what God might have for you. To start your day with Jesus, a little simple Bible reading plan or five minutes of prayer like Gordon McDonald. Or maybe it's journaling where you can be honest with God and tell him I feel like a failure as a parent or I'm angry with this person or I don't know what to do next or help me understand this and just record your requests in a journal that would be small maybe something easy maybe that maybe it's a breath prayer that you get used to praying on your way to work every day maybe it's praying over your kids if you're blessed enough to have a child in your home I hope you'll make that a keystone habit. Print out a Bible blessing. Google blessings in the Bible. Pick anyone you want. Print it out. Tack it on the wall over your kid's bed. And never let them go to bed without hearing their name in the name of Jesus invoked every single day of your life. Can you imagine the long-term effect that'll have on them and on you? It's a keystone habit. Make the most of mealtimes. Maybe more family meals together. Or inviting people over for rich 
fellowship over a slow, relaxed meal. Or maybe it's corporate worship. I'll tell you, that's a keystone habit. A lot of people are giving up on, as Hebrews 10 says. But if you make it a, we're not going to wait and see how we feel, but I'm going to gather in God's presence with God's people every single week, come hell or high water, and if I'm out of town, I'm online, you will find so many other things start falling together in your life as well. Or maybe it's introducing Sabbath into your life. Or maybe, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to sort of save the whole world, but, but you don't have to be Billy Graham, but maybe if you just invite one person every month to church, what a difference that would make in your life. You don't have to, to you know, become the greatest Mother Teresa servant in the history of the world, but if you just serve somehow, somewhere, every week, small, over time, big impact. Or maybe for some of you, it's stretching in your giving to God because you're not sacrificing anything. There's no stretch. There's no trust element with you and God. If you did that one thing, imagine the ripple cascading effect it would have in so many areas of your life. You need to think seriously about this because it feels important, doesn't it? What do you need to plant in 2020 so you'll look back and be glad you did? Decide it with specificity today. And then let's watch it grow. God, we thank you for Jesus who came and showed us what a beautiful way to live and he modeled for us what it's like to, to be connected to you and we want to be connected to him. And so just help us now to identify that one thing by your Holy Spirit that we are to prune from our lives and the thing that we're asked now to plant. And then help us follow through by your strength and your grace as you work with us each day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.